This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Oregon discussing a familicide. Then we'll talk about a survivor who lit himself on fire. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Beaver State. Defined as the obsessive pursuit and accumulation of wealth, greed is also known as one of the seven deadly sins. And oh, what a nasty sin it is. It can turn you into a monster. The uncontrolled longing to keep up with the Joneses can make people do things they never thought possible. Like the man in my case. A man is supposed to provide, protect, and love his family, respect his spouse, and set a positive example for his children. But when that selfish and excessive desire for more creeps up, he can think of nothing but satisfying that thirst even if it means committing the unthinkable. Christian Longo was born and raised in a very strict Jehovah's Witness family. My personal favorite of all the ones who try to get me to go to their church. Girl, stop. (laughs) No, least favorite. He had a great childhood and participated in their missions, you know, the door-to-door stuff. He liked that? He liked it. Okay, he liked being chased away. He did, and just the church in general. So he marries 26-year-old Mary Jane Baker when he was just 19. So she's a cougar. She is also very active in the church, and almost immediately, they start having money problems. He's just 19. He has no college, really no life experience. He is working at a camera shop, making probably minimum wage, and they are always short on money for rent. So he decides to steal $108 from his employer. He feels bad and returns to the workplace, writes him a check for the amount, and then immediately resigns. The elders in the church find out what he had done, and he is sanctioned, which basically means he was in big trouble. He wasn't excommunicated, but there was some congregational discipline. So, Christian was very worried about his appearance. He wanted nice things, nice clothes, cars, vacations. And by the time their first child arrives, their credit cards were maxed out. Oh, man. Two more children were born within the next few years, and they are struggling Mary Jane is a stay-at-home mom with the babies, and Christian is the only one that's bringing in the money. He couldn't ask for help and let people know that he had been living beyond his means or that they had been living beyond their means. Not even his wife knew how bad things were. He lied to her, too. She thought that they had been doing okay. They weren't rich, but definitely not as bad as they really were. So he's got to do something, and he starts a cleanup business with one of his friends. He starts spending way more than he's bringing in and shot his wad way too early, which is not good for his new business, and they are starting to go under. So he goes to his dad and tells him, you know, the company is thriving and that he should invest with them. And dad does invest several thousand dollars but christian buys more toys a boat a boat some jet skis and a couple cars when questioned he tells people he won the jet skis in some type of contest like tell his wife that too because she she, doesn't she just doesn't know anything she just thinks that everything is fine she's not working and he doesn't have a great job but they can afford everything she thinks he has a great job okay 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 So before long, Repo Man comes to the house and takes one of the cars back because they have no fucking money. Mm. Their bills are not being paid and he is getting desperate. So he eventually takes a fake ID out, like makes a fake ID, goes to test drive a vehicle 
and just never brings it back. Oh my gosh. His wife is like, what is going on? Why haven't we got any paperwork or bills for this vehicle? So then he goes online and prints some shit off on the internet and goes to the post office and mails it to his address. So it looks like he's getting bills. So this web of lies is just insane. Their marriage is failing. There was an affair. Him or her? It was him. And when he is confronted, he tells her that she isn't fun anymore. And he doesn't love her. He's just a man child. I'm sorry, but I'm not fun anymore. I have been raising three kids under three and have no time for anything. My bad. Like, Mm -mm. I'm sorry, I suck. Yeah. So anyways, she goes to the elders in the church, like a good Jehovah's Witness (sighs) wife, and tells them what's going on. But there was no evidence other than emails that he was having this affair. So he is sanctioned again. I bet this church is like, what the fuck? He acts like that kid in class that is always in trouble. Yeah. You know that kid? Mm-hmm. The kid in my class, his name was Donnie. Oh, just call him <laughs> out. Just call him out. So Donnie used to put glue on his hand and would like wait for it to dry and then eat it like a fruit roll up. Oh my God. In what grade? Like second, third oh, grade. Okay. Thank God. I was thinking mouth- high school. No, he had like a mouthful of silver teeth and gave zero fucks about the third <laughs> grade or Miss Powell. He didn't care about any of it. I just think about that boy from Toy Story. Yes. The Sid? Is that his that name? That was Donnie in oh, my, my school. God. So Christian is the Donnie of this Jehovah's Witness church. Oh man. <laughs> so he starts printing fake checks from companies and making them out to his company and depositing them. So it'd be like if we made a fake check from like Rocktown and wrote it out to United States of Murder and we deposited it into our account. Can't they tell that that's fake? Well, he went online and like printed them out onto like checks. I didn't even really know you could do that. Well, it's because we aren't. I don't con artist thought about doing yeah. Oof. So that shit's a hundred percent traceable, and the companies decide to press charges against him. Oh boy, he pleads guilty but has no record, so he gets probation and has to pay restitution. Mm. But this is the last straw for the church, and he finally gets kicked out. Oh wow! So he tells his wife, "I'm going to change. This is very eye opening for me. I'm going to get my shit together once and for all. But first. We should give each other gifts. What? So I'm going to give you LASIK eye surgery. And you're going to give me scuba lessons. Yes. They have zero fucking dollars, but this is what they give each other. She still doesn't realize she doesn't. they're broke. Okay. No, no. Bless her. So how does he get this money, you ask? He takes out a credit card in his dad's name and, well, he ends up taking out $100,000 worth of credit cards in his dad's name. So (sighs) creditors are blowing them up. They owe money to everyone. Oh, my gosh. So Christian decides we need a new start away from Michigan. This is where they're living at this time. I forgot they were in Michigan. There, I didn't say it. So okay, you wouldn't I, have known. I, would, it was, I don't know. My bad. Not that there's like a, a Utah of Jehovah's. Right. I don't know. So they're in Michigan. So he decides they should move away from there and they're off. And they move to Ohio into a warehouse. Cozy. <laughs> Small warehouse. But they were going to renovate it and turn it into like a cool city loft type space. But there's no kitchen. There's no plumbing and there's no running water. They have three little children. And he is just telling Mary that we're going to fix it up. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. You have to trust me. I'm your husband. So before long, they move again. And this time to Waldport, Oregon. They are driving stolen vehicles and He knows he's been stealing checks from people, so he's trying to stay ahead of the law. She is completely oblivious. 
She's no idea. Mm. So both of their families are worried at this point because there's been no contact and they file missing persons report for, you know, her, him, the children. So he decides to pawn her wedding ring because Mm. there's no money. It's just a shit show. And this web of lies has grown so large and he is in so deep that he starts throwing personal items away along the drive to Oregon. Picture albums, toys, children's clothing, (sighs) sentimental stuff that belongs to his wife, to his three children. So they make it to Oregon. They rent a small, like, vacation condo, but they can't pay for it. So he talks to the guy and tells him he's waiting on a paycheck and then he'll pay him. So don't kick us out. It's coming. He's working part-time at a Starbucks. This is not, A, going to pay for their condo or anything else. And he hates it. This is not his dream. He wants the new car, the nice clothes. And Without working. Right. It drives me insane to hear stories like this because he puts how much time into scamming and scheming. So much time and effort. You could put that into working a better job. I don't know. No. You, it's just yes. like. You're putting all your energy into the wrong thing. And you're on the run all the time. Yes. It's just so annoying. So things are not getting better. There's no money, no food and stuff for the kids. Mm. So on December the 19th, a man calls the police about the body of a small boy found floating in Lent Slough, the water near a lot where he has his RV parked. An enhanced photo is released to the news media and a couple contacts the news saying, this picture looks a lot like the kid we used to babysit named Zach Longo, who was four. Mm. Three days later, divers locate the body of three-year-old Sadie on December the 22nd, less than a mile offshore in the Pacific Ocean. She was only in her underwear, and there was a, like, a pillowcase tied around her ankle that was full of rocks. Oh, my God. 27-year-old Mary Jane and their two-year-old daughter Madison were found five days later. Mary Jane had been stuffed nude into a suitcase and was found in the water near a ramp on December 27, 2001, close to the, like, the vacation condo that they were renting. Madison was found inside a different suitcase on the same day. Both of them had been dropped off the same dock. An autopsy revealed that Sadie and Zachary were killed by asphyxiation and Mary and Madison had been strangled. Mary did have some blunt force trauma to her face, like she had been punched. (laughs) Police did state that if Zachary's body had not washed ashore, they would not have recovered the bodies of his sisters and mother for another 10 to 15 years due to the tide. So the tide would have washed them out. Oh, because they just started looking more, looking for... Oh my gosh. Then they started searching because... Their families had put out basically like an APB, missing person, because they hadn't seen or talked to him. And then they found his body, and they knew he was a part of this family. So then they started searching. So now they're looking for dad. He is being charged with murder. He is added to the FBI's top 10 most wanted and is on America's most wanted, like an episode of that. Mm. His parents were interviewed for it. Tips begin to pour in, and he is found in Cancun, Mexico. He has assumed a fake name and career as a writer. He is arrested and starts to slowly reveal some of the details about what happened leading up to his death of his family. He does not confess. He tells them all the things he's doing to pass the time since his family had disappeared, like going to work going to his work Christmas party, renting movies, going to the gym. And he had told his co-workers that his wife had left him and took their children after she met another man. So the day after the news broke of the little boy's body being found is when he left and went to Mexico. 
So he's hanging out with other travelers, smoking pot, and is touring like ruins in Mexico. Like he's on vacation. He befriends a photographer named Nina. He's just conning his way through all of these people. So his attorneys are leaning towards a not guilty. Like he's not going to, they're going to plead not guilty. So they're saying he was tricked into coming back to the United States. Basically, they're just trying to do anything to get the death Mm -hmm. penalty off the table because he can be charged with four murders. Prosecution said he was a monster, that he killed his family because he could not provide for them. And basically, the ruse was up and everyone was going to find out. They found evidence on his computer showing that this was premeditated. A website named Hitman Online that basically teaches you how to get away with murder and different types of ways to murder people. Don't Google it, people. He had also printed out obituaries of other people and had written in his family's names and all of their information like a mock obituary. Like took a pen and would like oh cross God. out. Yeah. That's that's a whole level of sinister that <sighs> to have your children still alive and to mm-hmm. know someone's in the next room planning their obituary. That is sick. So there was a ton of evidence, a witness that saw him on the bridge, described the vehicle, but there was no direct evidence tying him to the murders. Mm. A couple staying in the same like condo vacation complex as the family did describe hearing like a dragging sound from their apartment. So he does plead guilty to murdering his wife and youngest child, Madison, before the trial even begins on March the 10th. The jury was left to decide whether he was also guilty of murdering his two elder children. Jurors considered Christian's testimony where he claimed that it was his wife who murdered Sadie and Zach, which he said made him strangle her and then kill his youngest child. So he says that he and Mary had a date on December the 15th and she confronted him about his lies and that she had been, you know, she suspected that he's basically full of shit. So after the conversation, he wanted to tell her the truth about everything, but he said he couldn't. He couldn't sleep, and then when Mary asked him what was going on, he did slowly begin to tell her during an all-night conversation. He said that she became super emotional. After admitting to her that the family van was stolen and contained stolen gasoline and that their condo had not been paid for in, like, ever, he said Mary Jane became infuriated. He said she berated him for about 45 minutes, slapped him, and told him she would never trust him again. He left their bedroom and went and got a few hours of sleep, and then Zach woke him up. He went back in the room to check on Mary and said that she had vomited on the floor because she was just so upset. So he said he begged his wife to let him stay home from work and take care of the children so she could have some alone time, but she yelled at him and told him, you're literally the only one working. You have to go to work. So she drove him there. He says he kissed his kids goodbye. After work, Mary picked him up as usual, but she was only in a bathrobe and the kids weren't with her. He said she would not speak to him the entire drive home. When they got back to the apartment, Mary started to whimper and he had to pick her up and help her inside where she slumped the floor. He says he found Madison's lifeless body on the bed and then began to try to shake an answer out of his hysterical wife. And she says, you did this. You killed all of us. He asked her where the other two children were and she says, in the water. So he loses control, wraps his hand around her neck, drops her, picks her up. He says he repositions his hands and squeezes until he wasn't able to squeeze any longer. After he knew she was dead, he decided to dispose of the bodies in two large suitcases. But when he went to his baby, Madison, 
he realized she was still alive. Even though she was breathing, I thought of her as dead at that point. So he begins to smother her. He stopped, saw her breathing again, and this time gripped her throat. (sighs) After she stopped breathing, he said he felt as if the big suitcase was too large for her tiny little body, so he stuffed a bunch of clothes in there to make her more comfortable. Oh. He then threw the suitcases in the water behind the condos. So the courtroom is stunned. Prosecutors try to debunk his version of this. Not only did Mary have no history of violence or even a bad temper, but she was 100 pounds. And there's no way physically she would have been able to dump her children in the water with all the heavy rocks that were tied to them. And he's writing out their obituaries. Yes. And I am Googling shit. Yeah, I don't believe a word of that. No. So after four hours of deliberation, the jury finds Christian guilty of aggravated murders of two of his children, four-year-old Zachary and three-year-old Sadie. He was sentenced to death in 2003. He was incarcerated on death row at Oregon State Penitentiary. On December 13, 2022, his death sentence, along with everyone else's in Oregon's, was commuted to life without parole by the governor. So when in Mexico, he used the name Michael Finkel, which is a former New York Times reporter who later chronicled their experience in his memoir, True Story, which was adapted into a 2015 film starring James Franco as Christian and Jonah Hill as Michael Finkel. So it's a movie. How have I never heard of that movie? I have never heard of it either, but I'm going to watch it now. But yeah, so he read a bunch of stuff by this guy that wrote for the New York Times. And so when he moved to Mexico, he just like took on his identity, told everyone he was a writer, and that was his name. That makes sense because when I, I wanted to see what this asshole looked like, when I Googled Christian Longo, the first thing that pops up is James Franco. Yeah. And I'm like, why? And then, oh, he's such a weasel, this yeah. Christian guy. I hate the way he looks. It reminds me a lot of Scott Peterson. Yeah. You know, just yeah. the the lying and the telling people, oh, well, I don't know, and they're gone and this, and, and just like trying to keep up with the Joneses, and then it's like your shit's unraveling, so you're just going to murder everybody. And the thing that really gets me is he didn't have to tell any of it saying, oh, but my one daughter was still breathing. So yeah. you could have just not said that. What he is, it shows me that mm-hmm. he is so... He just sounds like a sociopath. sociopath. Just yeah. does not get what he says is no terrible no. for his defense to make her more comfortable in a suitcase when you're about to drown her. Are you kidding me? I just don't understand these people, like the Scott Petersons, mm-hmm. the Christian dude, the what's his name that was up in that. You know who I'm talking about. There's so many of them. The one up in, uh, that killed his two little girls and his wife and like hid their bodies in the water tank or Mm -hmm, whatever. mm -hmm. Can't think of his name. He doesn't deserve me to say his name. Anyways, how can you go from loving and being, just being a fucking parent and a spouse, how does it cross your mind to murder your your husband, your wife, and your children, and think you're just going to go on. You're just going to go on with your life, and everybody's going to buy your bullshit that they just disappeared. And it just, you know why I can't think of it? Because I'm not a fucking psychopath. It's It's insane. And at any point, he could just say, I'm leaving you. Yes. I can't pay you anything because I don't have anything. I fucked up. I there it is. I can't give you out, you know, like take me to court. I can't pay you anything. Whatever. That's a better option. I'll go to prison for all this embezzling (sighs) and all this bullshit. But they're they're they don't think about that. They think they're invincible and they're not gonna get caught. Because they 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 get away. Yeah. yeah. They get away with so much for so long. That's what it is. They think they're they're invincible. They think they're smarter than everyone else. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I hate you hate men. 
Girl, same. <laughs> I hate men like this. My feathers are thoroughly ruffled. <sighs> let's take a break. Let's. So this case was recommended a while back from a listener named Nikki H. I don't know if you're still listening, Nikki, but <laughs> thanks for the wreck. I've never heard of We're this. We're going to talk about it now. Yeah. According to the National Center for Men, Ramon Fry was a newly divorced man at the young age of 19. So we're talking about two very young couples. Yeah. He also had a two-year-old son with his ex-wife. So they had a son at 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you want to. But. <laughs> I just kind of assumed it was an accident, but I actually don't know. He graduated from high school in 2010 from Garden Valley High School, which is in Idaho. He was known there as a standout athlete. He was the first and only wrestler that took a state champion for Garden Valley, and then he did it twice in a row. He was really active in all kinds of school things, and he cared a lot about his classes. After high school, he enrolled in a nursing program at Treasure Valley Community College. Ramon was dedicated to staying in his son's life, but his ex-wife's parents wanted the boy all to themselves. So, from what I could find online, which isn't a lot, This has not been covered on a podcast, at least I think. But they lived with her parents. Then when they divorced, he moved out. So the wife still lived there with her parents. They would have been happy if Ramon was totally out of the picture. His ex and her family lived in Ontario, Oregon, which is super close to the Idaho border. So he traveled back and forth between Ontario, Oregon, and his home in Garden Valley to see his son. This drive would have been probably just an hour and a half. As part of the divorce settlement, he was only allowed to visit his son two hours a day, three times a week. Wow. Yeah, that's very little. What Ramon didn't know is that his ex-in-laws were devising a plan so he would be away from their grandson for good. I know. I can't. Mm -mm. On the morning of February 29th, 2010, Ramon drove to Oregon to drop off his son at his ex-in-law's house. Their names were Lester Earl Rieger and Earlene Rieger. After Ramon dropped off his son, Earlene lured him into the garage. And then he was shot in the back of the head by Lester. Oh my God. Yeah. Just because they didn't want him to be around their grandson? Yes. He immediately started running and managed to run out of the garage but not before he was shot a second time in the abdomen. He was still running on adrenaline and was able to run down the hill behind their home and was able to flag down a car and get help. So we know now that Lester was aiming for the spinal cord, like a good kill shot in the back of the head. Oh my God. But he missed slightly and hit the hardest part of the skull. So it did not. That's penetrate and kill him. Yeah. So he was able to flag down a car and get help. Soon after, an Oregon State Police trooper was flagged down and Ramon was transported to a nearby hospital to get care for his injuries. Luckily, he survived the shooting and he was released the very next day. He was left to recover with his family in Garden Valley. So he was able, he was obviously able to tell police what happened. Right. And Lester, Earl, Rieger, age 61, was arrested. Turns out Lester had a record, and no surprise, he was not a great guy. In 1984, Lester was arrested in the beating death of his wife, Simone, who was 27 at the time. Oh my God. Her body was found in August of 1984 in the Snake River near Payette. Her body was wrapped in a blanket and her feet were tied together. They also discovered that she was five months pregnant when she died. This is not a nice guy. Her cause of death was from blows to the head and chest. Lester was charged with murder but pleaded to first-degree manslaughter because of the weak evidence to show motive for the death. He was only sentenced to 120 months in prison with a 40-month minimum for manslaughter. For manslaughter. Yeah. And the case you were talking about last week, the 
child mm-hmm. was sentenced to life for burglary. Yeah, it's such oh, yeah judicial reach around. Always. So he was paroled four years later, beat his wife to death with a five-month-old. I was going to say pregnant. Five month, yeah. So he was released on February 18th, 1988. And after this, he met his second wife, Erlene, and together they raised a son and two daughters. During the trial, Ramon testified that Lester and Erlene were super controlling people. He said that he couldn't even hold his own son without their permission. You have to remember, at this time, he's a teenager. Very, you know what I mean? Where were his parents? Do you know? I didn't see. see Yeah, well, I know he recovered at his family's home, but I don't know why they weren't. Right. I don't know. He also described the garage. They had plastic everywhere, like it was, floors, walls, ceilings. Yeah, to they contain knew. the blood, obviously. Yeah, they knew what they were going to do. And the car was cleaned out to fit a body. They even had a change of clothes in the garage laid out to change after the deed was done. Lester also had a couple of buddies involved. 42-year-old Todd Mulvin had dug a grave on his property to dispose of the body. And I saw a clip of this. It was a huge grave. He also provided the gun. Lester testified in his own defense and said that the reason the garage was plastic wrapped was because he planned on refinishing some furniture. Sure, and you're Jan. Gonna get splatter up on the ceiling from your mm. from your beeswax or whatever. The, Give me a break. The lies. The jury found Lester guilty of attempted aggravated murder, conspiracy to commit murder, felony possession of a firearm and assault in the second degree. The prosecutors called the act evil and methodical. He was sentenced to 11 years in prison. Lester's wife, Erlene, was convicted and is currently serving a 90-month prison sentence. Todd Mulvane was convicted by a jury of conspiracy to commit murder and assault in the second degree, and he must also serve 90 months in prison. A fourth defendant, John Fritz, was also in the garage at the time of the shooting. He pleaded guilty to conspiracy and testified against Erlene and Todd, stating that they conspired with him in the murder attempt. But under Oregon law, they cannot get out of prison early, even for good behavior. Which, kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. After his recovery, Ramon went to the family court to reestablish the relationship with his son. And turns out it was not so simple. So he turned to Dr. Phil. And I watched this episode today. Ramon appeared on the episode alone as his ex-wife only had her attorney send a letter. The letter said that if Ramon wanted more time with his son, he should get himself a full-time job and not multiple part-time jobs. Remember, at this point, he's in community college. That doesn't... And he was just shot in the back of the head. It doesn't matter if you have... Two part-time jobs or a full-time job. Could you job? imagine if it were reversed and the mother couldn't see her child because oh, she only no. worked a part-time job? No. While she was in college. Yeah. they would. Yeah, exactly. So on the show, an expert said, if someone shoots you in the back of the head and you survive, and then you have the courage to fight for your child, from that point forward, you should enjoy a very strong presumption that you will be a great dad. And I will link up this episode in the show notes if you want to watch it. Unfortunately, there's more to this story. On June 3rd, 2015, when Ramon was 22 years old and still attending the Treasure Valley Community Co- Treasure Valley Community College campus in Ontario, Oregon. He also, by the way, had a full music scholarship there. So mm-hmm. it's not like he was a dummy, you know? Right. So that Wednesday, he was outside the Student Services Center when he started a fire on himself what he soaked his clothes in fuel and put a lighter to them outside so his body was engulfed in flames he was that depressed then he jumped into a fountain which luckily extinguished the flames but he still suffered severe burns he was taken to the university of utah burn center in salt lake city and had life-threatening injuries He was on a ventilator for a while, but could eventually breathe on his own. I'm talking skin grafts on the back of his hands, neck, 
legs, back. God bless. So, obviously, Ramon was struggling mentally because of the previous shooting incident. And they can't see his kid. I mean. Yeah. He had PTSD after the shooting. He was reportedly seeking help for his mental issues, but no one knew for sure what was going on in his head right before the incident. I was not able to find Ramon on social media, and I didn't see a current, nothing, nothing since 2015 about him, but I found his ex-wife. I'm leaving her name out of this because she was not involved in the shooting or anything, but in 2018, she posted this, quote, Allowing a parent to walk in and out of a child's life is not in any child's best interests. Malheur County and Baker County are allowing abusive, dangerous parents access to children. Why? Because whiny, irresponsible, and mentally ill adults have more rights than their children. These kids are our future. I'd like to raise a healthy, happy human, not continue the cycle of abuse. When will our judicial system agree? That what's in a kid's best interest must come first. So I don't know what happened behind closed doors, but I searched and I could not find any legal evidence of Ramon ever being abusive. That doesn't mean he isn't or is, you know. I'm just saying there are no charges against him. Ma'am, your parents (laughs) fucking tried to kill him. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what the story is. Maybe he's not the best dad. I don't know. I truly don't know. But I don't like that she used, she implied he's mentally ill, meaning like he shouldn't be around. Well, I mean, clearly he's got some mental things going on or he wouldn't have right. set himself on fire. Exactly. But. Exactly. I'm just saying, he, if I had, if I had been shot in the head and had PTSD and anxiety, I'd probably Be a little whiny, too. I don't know. Well, and not being allowed to see your child. That's not a reason to not see your child. She claimed, I mean, I don't know what the abusive claims are. She never elaborated on there. But like I said, I've never, I don't know. Just like, ugh, that's. That sucks. Yeah. Like, geez. Could you imagine seeing someone light themselves on fire? No. Mm. I feel like lighting myself on fire every day when yeah. I'm stuck in traffic. But right? well, I don't think I would ever do it. And there was no, he didn't speak out publicly for himself on any of that. So that's the story. Well, hopefully he's getting the help yeah. that he needs. and Definitely advocate for therapy. But especially if you have survived a shooting. Well, that and, and just the emotional trauma of right. probably the shit that we don't even know that was said to him oh, yeah. by her parents or even her for that mm-hmm. matter. Ugh. Yeah. On the Dr. Phil clip, he talks a little bit about he has extreme paranoia thinking everyone's going to kill him. He won't drink. Well, sure. If anyone hands him a drink, he thinks it's poisoned. Well, yeah, because you major... trusted these people mm-hmm. and they fucking lured you in to shoot you. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. So they're not seeing their grandchild anytime soon. Mm-mm. Don't don't do this. This is not the way to. You're not winning any to points. win custody Mm-mm. of a child. You are not. That's. But anyway. Anyway, what man? What's up? What's after up after those cases? You know what we haven't talked about? Switching gears. What the Love Is Blind reunion? Oh, you're right. You're right. We haven't. I, I was have, just thinking about that the other day because it's been a couple of weeks since we watched it. I mean, I have all kinds of notes here. Okay, real quick, let me get into the patrons before I forget. Oh, we have patrons. We do have patrons. Oh shit! I was. I don't want to forget. Are we, any we of do? them contestants on the Love Is Blind? No. Well, Damn I it. don't know about the next season, so I didn't write these in my notes. So we have. Ashlyn F. Well, that's a badass name, it first is. of all. And let's see, I put her in the map. Where's she? They are in Kansas. Oh, that's that pin right there. Very cool. And I did put our new Canadian in there. Up there, I should say. Look at say. that. I see it. Yeah, that is. That's Mandy. Mandy's in. Mandy's in Canada. I had to cut out Canada for you, Mandy. <laughs> and then what else? Let's see. Do, do, do. And then Dovey became a patron. I think she's been a patron before. Mm-hmm. And that name sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. I'll message her and see. But because if you 
leave and join again, it doesn't give you your history. Oh, okay. So, but thank you for coming back. Or if you're new, thanks for coming. That's just a unique name if we had to. And Nate bought us six cocktails. Well, thank you for our cocktails. Yes, thank you, Nate. We will um, be partaking in those tomorrow night when we sit and plan our trivia questions for True Crime Fest. We're going to be up That's there true. and doing a, a True Crime trivia at a local bar. So We are. Oh, and we also have Kathy Y. who joined us. I don't know where she's from yet, but thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, thanks Kathy. Thanks, Kathy, Ashlyn, Duffy. Nate. Thank all of you guys. Yes, thank you. Wait, I have a new message. Oh, is shit. It, is it one of us? Oh, God. Is it bad? <laughs> if it's something else about our sound, I'll we, just tell you. It's me. I don't know what no, I'm doing wrong. Long story short, long story short, we were doing videos for Wacky Wednesday, which was fun, but we had to change everything about our setup, audio, blah, 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 blah. Where we set, how the mics faced it was, us. It, it was difficult. So we've put a pin in the videos, and I'm sorry if you were getting into those, but we wanted to save our sound over that. You know what I mean? We've got but, to figure, figure so all that out. So we've got it back to our old setup, and we're still making tweaks to make it like it was before. Right. Not that we've ever been like... Super professional. I mean, come on. But, you know. We're not techies. Yes. Don't come for us, please. Unless you are willing to help us. Right. If you have suggestions, we'll take that. We'll take your suggestions. Criticisms on how we sound. We know. We know. We're, we're not trying. Yeah, I promise we know. When we hear it, we're like, oh, my God, what do we do? Well, and also, in Lacey's defense, she does all of our editing. And, when, and she's played it back for me while we're still recording and to like from her laptop into our headphones Mm -hmm. it will sound completely normal we think we sound great (laughs) and then when it uploads to the platforms that's when we can hear that it's off or sounds muffled so we're like what the fuck did we do (laughs) i swear every week we're doing something different trying to fix this i promise we're we're working on it we're working on it okay don't give up on us don't give up on us Okay, love is blind. I should have wrote notes, but I have a ton of notes. First of all, can we get new hosts? Hate them. Hate them both. They're the true enemies. I don't anyone else. I literally do not know what crawled up and did a cartwheel in Vanessa's asshole. I was so irritated by her. She is she on drugs. I'm legitimately asking a question because she was very glassy-eyed, weird-faced. I'm not coming for you, but also I am. Just, it was so hard to watch. So, remember, it was a fiasco if you wanted to watch it that night. It was, first of all, it didn't need to be live. Why did it need to be live? They weren't taking questions. People weren't calling in. I thought they were going to be. Yeah, so we, uh, to watch it, we found a way through twitch twitch okay and we had the luxury of seeing everyone's comments on the show in real time and they were just it was so fun see i couldn't see that bashing going on and on because it was like someone had access and they were watching it and then they were talking a little bit and Mm -hmm. then they had so it was like i don't know a big party but she was a they were they were not holding back on their comments about her. I will say that. Well, and Nick's just sitting there like he's scared to speak. Every time he opens his mouth, it's a, some say, or when you've been married 17 years like us, they, they sound like boomers and they're not. Well, he thinks, it's I feel strange. like he thinks he's funny. Like, you know how your weird, weird uncle thinks he's yes, funny and you're not? Like, it just falls flat. He barely said anything except mm-hmm. cheesy lines. Mm-hmm. And then she was just like, I'm going to defend all the bullies. Ma'am, no. Mm-mm. First of all, uh, second of all, I mean, Arena's an asshole. Yeah. Can't stand her. I loved Zach just basically called. He basically took Vanessa's role and was like, you're on the, you just wanted yeah. to be famous. I'm going to call you out. I like him. I like that he was serving it. I like him. A, I liked him a lot more on the reunion than I did on the show. Well, because you, you see his attorney part come out anyhow and he's like i'm not here for this yeah You're i'm not like, gonna finally he grows up yeah know, he's, but, he's got a pair yeah and i also liked them as a couple more at yes. the reunion than on the show 
Well, I feel like the editing was not. Yeah. Since we're professional editors. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we know shit happens. Still not 100% in love with Chelsea and Kiwami. I, <sighs> I want Chelsea and Marshall to be together. <laughs> I agree. And I don't get why Vanessa didn't. I think it's because they ended up together, so they didn't want to get too into that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they should have been called out a little bit. Like, hey, when this was happening, why did you look like that? Or why did you keep going on and on for what's-her-face, Maiko? It's obvious you liked her. I don't know. It's like he just got to get away with it because he said yes. But he did apologize. I don't know how genuine it was. But he did apologize and say, you know, I was super disrespectful to her, her family, my family. So that's true. And they've said the editing made them look worse. I mean, that's what we um, always say, but it's it, it could, could happen. happen. Yeah. And Michael looks different. Is she on Ozempic? Look, those people on Twitch were oh my gosh, the I comments wish you were so I mean. wish you would have screenshotted them. Oh, I, I re- love I was I just love like messy fucking comments. I was just like holding my mouth because I'm like, these they're coming for her. I love a messy comment. She did look different. I think it was the spray tan. I think she's on Ozempic. She looks like she's lost weight. And so then I went to her Instagram. She's on TikTok now. Of course she fucking is. I went to her Instagram and was looking at all these pictures that she keeps posting of herself in bathing suits. And I'm like, I saw you in that black dress when you came out of those little confessional things. You did not look like this. So you heard it here, folks. Mike is on Ozempic. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, let's see. Also, she didn't get called out as much. I, no. no. She, Vanessa was on her side for everything and defended her Mm-mm. for so much. And one thing that really annoyed me, and I, it was seven minutes long, Vanessa questioning Paul about mm-hmm. why he doesn't think Micah is nurturing. And I'm like, you see her on here laughing at other girls when they're crying. That's it. Why do you have to? She, and even when she was with her friends back mm-hmm. home, how she, they were so catty and rude and mean and nasty. And it's like, that's not a turn on for men. That's not, and I know I can be a bitch, but I feel like we all have it in us, but it was just oh, yeah. continual It was continual. Her. And when, Van, it's like Vanessa took it very personally that. Paul didn't think she was nurturing. Because I feel like somebody has said that shit about Vanessa. Maybe that's what it is. And so she's like, It's like, like she oh, went, no. explain to me what you mean by that. No, can you keep, and I'm like, girl. You're picking a scab. It was seven minutes, so boring. I'm like, no one cares but you. She was just like wanting to punish him for. And he wasn't taking it. He was like, I mean, she's not. I'm so like, sorry. Did you watch the show? What mm-hmm. part of you thought she mm-hmm. was nurturing? Mm-hmm. And you're allowed, you're entitled to your own opinion. He didn't think she was nurturing. He's the one dating her, Vanessa. I don't know. It just, I, just, it, I just don't believe anything that Micah says. I feel like she started backpedaling because she was embarrassed and that everybody went after her <clears throat> on Twitter mm-hmm. and her Instagram and commenting when all of the stuff came out. Everybody went after her. And I feel like now that she sees that she looks like oh, an asshole. Oh, totally. She's like, well, I didn't mean it like that. Well, that's not how I meant it. And of course, no, shut up. Shut and up, dum-dum. I do not believe for a second she was going to say yes. I think she wanted him to answer first because if I there was too. a chance, it makes her look better. Exactly. That's 100%. 100%. So when she was going on and on, That's she's not notes. heartbroken. That's she's in my not, notes. Exactly. She's not heartbroken. <laughs> no. She did not want to marry him. Give me a freaking break. They were the worst paired couple. Well, Nothing in common. She just wanted to be picked. Yes. She just wanted to be picked. Mm-hmm. She wanted to stay on the show yep. the whole time. Which, I mean, the same thing with, I feel like, Arena. Oh, yeah. And then she was, and then she sent those DMs to Bliss about mm-hmm. dodging the bullet, commenting on his looks and stuff. I'm like, you're She's so just nasty. nasty. And you're not all that, first of all. Mike is a mess, but she's redeemable. But Arena, Arena there's nothing. She, she is no. nasty, mean. And for you to talk about how you were bullied and then you—that's what gets me. Is become she, a bigger bully? Mm-mm. No, like you're not coming out ahead of no. a bully story if you become a bully. Yeah, no. Maybe that's why you were being bullied. Is because maybe you were it's a bully. because you're not nice. You, maybe it wasn't yeah. about your appearance, right? But also, switching gears yeah. from that, this weekend is the Bigfoot Festival. Yeah. 
you're, um, you're going, let us know. I told Lacey, and Lacey, it fell on deaf ears. <laughs> well, there's One, another festival here. 100% was not interested. <laughs> I was like, I Googled it, and it's two hours and 45 minutes away. I'm like, well, I mean, it'll, not near anything. It'll be over when this comes out. But yeah, it will be. It's this Saturday, the 29th, in Falk, Arkansas. Didn't you cover the Falk Monster? I think I've talked about it before, and I have I didn't know that's how you said that. Falk, city, I'm probably town name. mispronouncing Folk? it. Folk, Falk, Folk, Falk. There's a Bigfoot calling contest. There's a Monster Mart. There's live podcasters podcasting from there. <sighs> if it was an hour away, I guess. But two hours and forty five minutes just one way. They are. It's near Texas, right? <laughs> it's like south of Texarkana. Yeah, it's down so they're there. taking like. You can go like on a tour bus and you have to sign up. I guess they take you to a cave where maybe it's his fucking lair. I don't know. Like on Boggy Creek. There's also a showing of the movie Boggy Creek. This is our cryptid, by the way. This is our Arkansas cryptid. So it's supposed to rain. Mm -hmm. If it rains, I talked Max into going with me. But if it rains, we're not going to go because I don't, like you said, I'm going to drive two hours and it'd be rainy and shitty and we can, you know, that's miserable. But if all else fails, and I do not go this weekend, I looked on my map for my Louisiana trip, and that's on the way. So I will stop because I'm going down through Texarkana down to um, Nacogdoches. So I go right through Falk. Oh, interesting. So I'll stop by the Monster Mart if if it rains (laughs) and. Take a picture with my face in a Bigfoot body with its Do head it. cut out. And if you're in this town or live near us, near it, tell us about it. I don't know if we have any listeners there or not. Well, my friend lives in Texarkana, oh. and she said it's like 20 minutes from her yeah. house. And she said, "Do you know where Hardy, Arkansas is?" Mm-hmm. She said it's about the size of Hardy. Ooh, and there's not really jack shit going small. on. That's a very <laughs> so small. Because like, I tried to talk her into going, and she's like, I think you'll be disappointed. See, that's why I'm like, it's a too far for maybe a sucky event. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's the coolest thing. It probably been. is because I've never been to a Bigfoot festival. So now. I would have been more sold if we weren't having a festival here in the walking distance. Festival. It's walking distance yeah. for me. So. I'll be going to that <laughs> instead. If if it's not raining, if it's raining and kind of like it is today, Max and I won't go. We'll just go to the 501 Festival. Yeah. Ooh, weather this week sucks. So where are we going to go next week? Um, we to- I wrote it down. Oh. Listen to this Velcro. Hang on. It's in my little handy dandy folder. Next week, we are, let's do Georgia. Okay. We're in Georgia. Georgia. We're coming for the peaches. We're coming for the peaches. Bye. Bye.